0: That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff, who goes for goal and scores. Finds the back
1: of the net. all right What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal. From Thierry Henri. Medler. Lovely cushion header. For
0: oh, you're what a header!
1: What a head! The Ghost Goal Podcast. We've got European finals galore coming up this weekend as the Europa League final between Sevilla and Inter Milan takes place on Friday afternoon and the Champions League final between Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern Munich will take place on Sunday afternoon. I'm Alex here with Javier for a Ghost Call podcast previewing this weekend's finals and also taking a look back at the semifinals that led up to them. Andrew was out tonight. We had a couple of blowouts for the Champions League, uh, so not really too much to recap, but I guess we can talk about uh, or just discuss the crazy scoreline first that uh, Inter inflicted on Shakhtar Donetsk in that Europa League semi-final on Monday. They won five-nil. Uh, goal, a brace for Lautaro Martinez and a brace for Romelu Lukaku. Um, I didn't get to watch this one, um, but it looked like, judging by when the goals were scored, uh, that it was kind of a an unfair scoreline to Shakhtar Donetsk, who I thought had a real chance. But yeah, I mean, you 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 had them winning this, which was uh, yeah, very far I, off. But I, uh, I, can you imagine how surprised I was to see that scoreline when right, I checked no, it after uh, the game? Not
0: I was surprised too. Uh, and then you know, Shakhtar played well in that first half. Um, they had a bunch of. Decent chances, I would say. Um, They had a few shots on target, and they were getting their attacking game going. But Inter did score really early on with Martinez, who, um, for me, he's looked like a class above the rest of that Inter team. Um, he's yeah. been really really good I know Lukaku has more goals or whatever but Lukaku did kind of have his two goals at the end of this game when it was already three nil and typical Lukaku brace as we were talking about before the pod but yeah I think five nil was a little little flattering for uh, Inter Milan here but they've got to be going in with a lot of confidence into this final you know thinking that they can win their first silverware since 2011. so um, you know yeah, it's been, I can't it's been believe, a long I can't time it's been that long. Yeah, it's been a long time for a team that was, you know, top of Italian football for five or six years. And, you know, we thought that they were going to continue being really good for a long time. They kind of dropped off the planet. And, uh, you know, this might be their, they're kind of like, you know, reannouncing themselves back to the world, saying, you know, we're back. But then again, Sevilla's won 25 out of the last 26 Europa League matches. And uh, they've won the competition three times in the last five years, uh, five or six years. So they are the Europa League. Kings, Uh, they have the most wins in the competition, and um, I believe they've also scored the most goals. So it's all set up to to be a really good final, and um, you know these are both teams that are already in the Champions League next year. Um, I think we mentioned that on the last pod, so I don't think that's going to be like a. You know, huge factor, but I think the trophy and the prestige of winning something. um, Neither of these teams won anything this year, so this would be a pretty big win for them.
1: Yeah, it would be Antonio Conte's first European trophy as well, and that's been long. uh, That's really been something that he's been criticized for, specifically in Champions League, that uh, his Juventus teams, and then the the one year he was in it with Chelsea. Uh, they haven't really looked that good in the competition. Yes, they've gotten out of the group stage, but they uh, usually falter when it comes to um, uh, facing the other elite teams in Europe. So for him to kind of silence those doubters a little bit and get at least a Europa League, I mean, they haven't had to face anyone too difficult. Uh, I mean, they obviously dropped down from the Champions League uh, group stage, finishing third. So they didn't have any group stage Europa to deal with, but... Uh, I think they had uh, some team from uh, Eastern Europe. I cannot remember the name of them and beat them barely. Um, they had Getafe uh, in the round before this, uh, or no? They had Leverkusen. So that's that's a pretty big, or a pretty good scalp for Inter to have. And if they beat Sevilla, then yeah, it looks like a good uh, European run for Antonio Conte. But I really don't think it's, I don't think it's going to happen. I know I just picked against them and they they beat me five nil, but. I still, uh, I still kind of agree with you that Sevilla are the like the gold standard of the Europa League. So, I thought that defensively, though, against Manchester United, you know, they probably should have conceded a
0: couple more goals. Um, and this Inter Milan side, I've just been absolutely flying. I think Lukaku scored in nine straight Europa League games right now. Um, he's the top scorer in the Europa League, and you know, he's been he's been on fire. Same with Lautaro Martinez. I just don't think Sevilla have um, players of that quality and i think inter are going to win i think you know the way that they they have i think the superior manager as well in antonio conte and i know he hasn't won a european final i'm sure he's really going to is going to want to win this and yeah i i favor them so i think i'm glad that we're
1: you know disagreeing on this oh. It Um, it just sounded like you were setting it up for uh, a Sevilla pick. I I mean, I I was going to pick Sevilla regardless because they've they've faced plenty of teams in the Europa League so far that have tried to sit defensive in a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2 against them. Namely Wolves, probably the second best team in that formation uh, in the competition behind Inter. Uh, and they they dealt with the challenge very well. They'll they'll happily sit back and uh, defend, uh, or they'll be the aggressor and get get on the ball and get very good service into their forwards uh, with Jesus Navas right right back now, uh, when he used to be a winger for City and Sevilla before that, or uh, Valencia before that, and then uh, Sergio Regulon on loan from Real Madrid. So they've got two very good wing backs to go head to head with. Uh, Inter's uh, probably more dynamic and hardworking uh, left and right wing backs uh, but Sevilla can stay in a 4-2-3-1 or, or a 4-3-3 and not have to give up that man in attack who you know for Inter if they get any spell of possession uh, they're very reliant on players like Victor Moses or Dembrosio or uh, Alexis Sanchez sometimes gets played out at left wing back even at times and actually Young they're very reliant on those players to like beat men 1v1 to create anything so uh, I think Sevilla wins that matchup uh, with their with their better wing play just in general. So I don't know about scorelines. Uh, I really yeah, don't know about scorelines. I'm gonna anything. say
0: uh, I'm gonna say two one Inter. I just I just have faith that their defensive setup is going to be enough to keep the Sevilla team to one goal. I haven't been. I know Sevilla's got a really good passing game, but I haven't been that impressed with their output going forward. They're very wasteful with a lot of chances. And Handanovic is an excellent keeper. They also have a lot of really good center backs. Um, you know, with Godin
1: and uh, Skriniar. And I don't know. I've Been playing I, Bastoni I've... a lot recently. The twenty-one-year-old uh, okay. like center back, the uh, Italian center back they have, and they usually they. I've seen Skriniar a lot on the bench recently, which I haven't really been able to make sense of because he's definitely a, a very good player, but. Yeah, I don't know. I would keep an eye on Bastoni. He's a good, young, up-and-coming center back as well. Um, uh, I was going to mention that, actually, Serie A
0: starts in less than a month. It's about three weeks. It starts on September 12th. Um, and I don't know how much of a factor that's going to be you know, for some of these players in the future. I, I'm guessing they're going to get a week off, maybe, and then they have to show up for preseason. Like They have to have at least a couple weeks of preseason, right? So. Um, I don't know how that's going to work, or if they're you know these teams are going to be able to delay their. Syria, uh, La Liga starts September nineteenth, um, well, around the same time as the Premier
1: League. So the, uh, the French league starts next weekend, I think. No, this weekend. I this, think it's weekend. this Sunday. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So Leon so, have no break. <laughs> they had their break. It's over. Their season right. starts with the Champions League. Uh, A- absolutely.
0: Same with PSG. <laughs> I'm guessing PSG. Obviously, they they're not going to have to play this weekend, but I'm sure they'll have to play midweek.
1: Yeah, I guess this is like kind of similar timing to like playing a warm-up tournament in in the States or out in Asia or something, except this time you're playing in a Champions League uh, knockout tournament. Speaking of which, we should probably move on to the final. I guess we can talk about the two semifinals within the context of discussing the final itself, because uh, the the two finalists we thought would end up there uh, are there. It's Paris Saint-Germain versus Bayern Munich. Uh, Bayern once again pumping their opponent Leon uh, earlier today 3-0 uh, a very good performance not without its uh, shaky moments uh, but th- that sets up uh, honestly a FIFA players dream of a final how many times have you played this one online where oh yeah. many many times I'll say I'll, I'll, I mean Leon they probably
0: deserved a goal in that game if not more um, and I think if they'd gotten a goal I think it would have made it a lot shakier for Bayern Munich um, Bayern Munich Defensively, were not nearly as strong as I thought they would be. That might be because they're playing these, you know, these intense Champions League games every three days, three four days. Um, And I don't know how big of a factor that extra day rest is going to be for PSG. Um, But uh, I think Wednesday to Sunday
1: it shouldn't be that big of a deal for Bayern. Okay, like if it was Uh, a Saturday uh, game, yeah, maybe maybe that's why it's on Sunday instead of Saturday to give you know both teams a little bit of a rest, assuming that they've been playing all these games every three or four days. I was going to say,
0: offensively, man, like, why did we let Serge Gnabry go? Like, <laughs> could, could have saved ourselves the $70 million we spent on Pepe and have an absolute world class winger in, in Ganabry. And I mean, that, that run he made for that first goal was just amazing, cutting in from the left wing and he shot with his quote unquote weak foot. Yeah, right. I didn't, I
1: didn't know he had that in his left foot. <laughs> like, I've seen, we've seen plenty of that from his right. He's done it time and time again, but. Yeah, that was uh, some insane balance. Uh, obviously, dribbling ability, and then the, the and then he got on like the pushed
0: too right before his finish. They were like they tried to like shove him over, and he stayed up. So that was just a combination of skill, speed, strength, finishing, everything. So I hope he's not our
1: Mohamed Salah. You know, I hope he's just our Roma Lukaku. You know, I'd be okay with that. Trust me, selling both of them sucked, <laughs> especially in a time when we could have used a striker and a goal scoring right. winger. So, uh, and then add to that De Bruyne. Yeah, you'll you'll know what pain is. Maybe some. Maybe someday. I think it would have to have been like Saka leaving <laughs> this time for you to like understand how how, how terrible it was to right. lose all of those players, especially to rival clubs. But yeah, Bayern Munich. It's uh, it, it, you, you're, you're assuming that they're going to concede against PSG. It's uh, PSG have been playing pretty well themselves, albeit. Took them a little, a little bit of that Atalanta game to really warm up and get the finishing boots on, uh, but they look to be in full flow now after uh, after that three nil win against Leipzig. Do, do you think we should put that much stock into you know the the way that Bayern and PSG won these games three nil, or do you think? Well, going to say, like I thought PSG kind of won it very comfortably. I thought they never really had to get out of
0: second gear, like. They got the early goal off of a set piece, um, and then a a mistake at the back allows Di Maria to get in for a goal. And uh, you know, Bernat he's been offensively great. Defensively, I I think he's a big liability for PSG, um, and he's going to be up against Serge Gnabry, so that may be a place where they definitely try to exploit that. But I, I was impressed with how easily they dealt with RB Leipzig, and I think that they. They feel like they're they're going to win this Champions League. Um, you can tell that they're you know they're yeah, all out here and do. and I mean in terms of a, a two two pairing of strikers like they played Neymar and Mbappe up top and I thought they looked so much better than you know when they were playing with Icardi and they used Di Maria kind of dropped him back into midfield and uh, like I said on the previous pod Di Maria was just doing all the dirty work um, you know picking up balls and playing through balls and playing balls over the top and. I don't know what I saw from that uh, Lyon side. They were able to get a lot of balls over the top as well, um, get some through balls into Memphis Depay and and and, and get one on one chances with Neuer. And Neuer made a couple saves. They also had a couple really bad misses. And I I, I just don't feel like PSG are going to be as forgiving. And you know it, it, there's there's a lot of factors that are going to, going into this match. Marquinhos is playing very well in midfield. Um, I thought he was probably man of the match against RB Leipzig. He was shutting down any type of attack that RB Leipzig was, was you know, bringing through the midfield. And they never really got any chances, any serious chances. Um, and you would have thought... No, they with, had, like they had,
1: they had one or two like very good chances. They had one chance at, at one the one I was texting you about. When they were down 1-0, that Paulson had a ball cut back to him at the near post. And he should have just rocketed in uh, near post to make it 1-1. And he put it just wide, and like so. I mean, they, it's not like PSG shut them down completely. Boo hoo, Yusuf Poulsen. I'm glad you fucking missed that. Yeah, you yeah, no, you, Danish weren't, you, weren't, fuck. you won't find me sympathizing with him. But it should have been, it should have been one one. He
0: scored that one goal against Peru in, in the World Cup. That's why I hate him. So yeah, he scored a good, he scored a good
1: few more against Ireland in plenty of qualifying. So I, I feel your pain there. Um, but you don't have to worry but about him anymore. It was funny
0: Na- Nagelsmann after the match was. Uh, he said that uh, PSG's two strikers cost double uh, the entire RB Leipzig team, which I mean, it's a good point. <laughs> so it's,
1: yeah, uh, it, it is it is a point. It is a fact. Do with that fact what you will, but right, it is part the, of it. Uh, I'm you- a, I'm a little less okay. So I am I am concerned. I do think it's a very up in the air game. Obviously, people are taking Bayern as the favorites, basically all behind that. 8-2 drubbing they gave Barcelona. Um, I
0: think they've won now 10 straight Champions League games. Um, I believe that is the record now. Uh, or it might be that if they win this final, they break the record. But, you know, they're on an absolute tear right now. they been destroying everybody.
1: No they, one's yeah, really looked I like mean, stopping them. What I'm trying to say about them is that, like yes, they do look good, but I think that Leon game today kind of shows everyone, like, Bayern still played well and they still were deserved winners, but there were moments there where, you know, a better team, Read PSG, could take advantage and put Bayern in a bit of a hole and force them uh, uh, maybe to be even more uh, attacking and to play an even higher line than they were before. Now, they've gotten away with it for the most part, mainly because of uh, Alaba and uh, Isaiah Davies or... Alfonso Davies. I did that last week too. I kept calling him Isaiah Davies. I have no idea why. I have no idea who that other player would be. (laughs) That player person doesn't even exist. Um, But Alfonso Davies, his recovery ability, it's been covered plenty. And, you know, it goes hand in hand with how well he's doing going forward right now. Uh, They're going to need him to be at his very best and maybe even willing to shift over from left back to cover for Kimmich a little bit on certain counterattacks when Neymar or Mbappe break because Kimmich is very rightly playing just as uh, aggressively. He's coming into midfield even a little bit and picking up where he left off in his midfield position earlier this season. And that leaves, that leaves holes in behind, and Boateng is still pretty old and he's been playing uh you know games every 3 or 4 days now for two or th- two or three weeks straight so it's got the potential to be probably one of the most high scoring Champions League finals ever don't you think like i think just under these yeah, circumstances yeah no i was about to say
0: i feel like it's going to be like 3-2 or 4-3 I, th- I feel like it's going to be like a crazy back and forth game i was thinking like game.
1: a 5-3 i was thinking like an absolutely insane goal fest but like and and while I was
0: you know criticizing Bayern Munich's backline for having liabilities, um, you can definitely see those liabilities as well with the PSG backline. line. Um, their passing out the back is still not fully there. You know they look like a team that's only played a few competitive matches in the last few months. And I know that they're fresh though. You know they they haven't played that many matches, so they they didn't have a a, a whole end of the season that like Bayern Munich had to deal with. Um, but yeah, Bayern but Byron, Munich did, Byron had a month off. I was there, about to say, and they you. also they also got to trot kind of trot into the
1: Yeah, the Chelsea uh, game was like a warm up game for them. It was like a chance right. for all their players to just, you know, get their rhythm like under them. But I was gonna say about PSG that i will be interested to see what their midfield looks like because that first game against Atalanta they Marco were the Verratti very, being
0: back is going to be if he, he if he can play
1: he I don't think he's back. I think he's injured for the whole Champions League. I don't think he's okay. going okay. If he's
0: if he's not going to be back, then you know well, they, I think they, they that battle's going to be first game much against closer. Atalanta.
1: They had Marquinhos at the base, very good pick. Like you can't take any, make any criticisms of that. Uh, then they had Idrissi gay and Ander Herrera for the Atalanta game. They didn't look great on in possession. They they still had a good amount of the ball, but they you know the progression like you said wasn't amazing. And then for this. Uh, Uh, RB Leipzig game, they brought in the Andrew Paredes, the Argentinian midfielder, um, for Herrera. And him and Kimpembe specifically were linking up amazingly to sort of like trigger those attacks. And RB Leipzig, you know, they were trying to throw men at the problem to try and like be aggressive and get them to give it away. But their their chemistry together was kind of undeniable. So I'll I'll be interested to see if PSG try to like hang in in midfield with uh, Bayern Munich. Or if they try to just sort of concede possession, say, listen, you guys have the ball. You you do the playing. We'll rely on Neymar and Mbappe and Di Maria to trigger something. Uh, so on it the looks like
0: uh, Verratti and, and Idris Aguirre both a doubt for the game,
1: um, but they both have a chance to make it. Verratti would be huge, but then again, he, I can't remember the last time I saw him play. So. You know if you wanted to bring him in just for this one game don't be surprised if this first game back is a champions league final against probably the best team in the world and don't be surprised if he shits the bed i wouldn't blame him for that either like it's it would be a tough game to come into uh first time after not playing a serious game in months and uh try to you know influence it on the ball a lot so I, that's why i lean towards Bayern. I, I they'll concede goals no doubt two or three i th- even think but i think they're going to score 4 or 5. I I did like what Under Herrera did
0: um, in the RB Leipzig game. Um, I thought he looked really good for PSG. I thought he changed the way that their midfield looked. I liked how he worked with Marquinhos. I thought they looked much better defensively because of that. Um, So I would like to see perhaps a Marquinhos, um, Herrera, Udrisse gay midfield to really shut down Bayern if they could do something like that. That's what they did against Um, Atalanta.
1: And it didn't yeah, shut down and, Atalanta. They, they still conceded, but they were more solid defensively. I don't think Herrera started, did he, against Atalanta? Uh, yeah, the midfield three was Herrera, Marquinhos, and, uh, and Idrissa Gay Again, they conceded once against Atalanta. That's pretty impressive. That's one of the most high-scoring teams in Europe. I, I just don't know whether <laughs> that's going to work against Bayern Munich. You're very dependent on a uh, a fast counterattack attack. Uh, from like a very low block, if you do that, and it, that could work for them, you know. Leon had plenty of chances today with lesser players, so why not PSG? Um, are you going to go that step and and pick them, or are you going to?
0: I I am, dude. I'm. Uh, You're going to do it. I, I and I, I've I've picked them before to win in the Champions League and been very disappointed with them, um, but I just kind of feel like like this is their year. Uh, I feel like you know this project that they've been you know. For many many years, uh, you know, getting ready and um, buying players like Neymar and Mbappe, and you know, adding adding now recently a lot more steel to their midfield, and just seeing those weaknesses that I saw in Bayern's defense, um, and I do think that that one extra day of rest might make a little bit of a difference, um, especially if you know maybe the game goes into extra time or or um, if it's really close at the end. I feel like Lewandowski, while I did say he is the probably the the world player of the year. I don't know man, just Mbappe and Neymar they they're a class above almost everyone else on the pitch and we those get to together about
1: Serge Gnabry. I mean it makes sense. I, I, I understand. Am. You're, you're but better. at the
0: same time, at the same time I kind of want Bayern Munich to win uh, because of Serge Gnabry and uh, Serge Gnabry and and you know I still have a little soft spot for him. Um, he's still an Arsenal fan still always tweets at us and everything and um I don't know. Uh, I, I, listen, this is such a hard one to pick. Like, I, if it's going to be a PSG win, I think it's going to be like three two PSG. But I think if Bayern Munich win, they could win like four two or five three, like you said, and and make it a little say, bit. It's going to be like Bayern, a like kind of like a destruction from from Bayern if that happens. But um, I don't
1: even know if like four two or five three would be a destruction. It would be bad because PSG would concede four or five goals, and that is always terrible for PSG. But. You know, if any team's going to do it, it's going to be Bayern Munich this season in this current form. So I don't think there's any embarrassment in that as long as it stays competitive for the vast majority of the game, which I believe it will. You know, it's got to stay more competitive than that Barca Bayern Munich game. And Barca aren't, I don't think, anywhere near as good as uh, PSG this season. So, so I think I think it's interesting. Like the one thing that I think PSG
0: kind of have going for them was they did face some really difficult teams in their group stage. Um, they were in that group with Real Madrid, Dortmund, and Galatasaray. And oh, what um, last year? <laughs> no, I know.
1: I'm just <laughs> I mean, saying it was that like literally so long ago.
0: <laughs> it is. It is. I guess that's that's not that big of a factor. But I just think that they've had a little bit more of a challenge this year. And um, while. Their performances against Saint Etienne in the French Cup final, and then against Lyon in the Coupe de la Ligue, um, they only won one 0 against Saint Etienne, and then they they had a 0 nil with Lyon. So it makes me a little bit worried about their final finals pedigree. Um, that maybe this is a team that's choked many times. That's you know, uh, given up leads, uh, given up leads when when you know when they're expected to win, they've lost, and. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not so sure that they're uh, they're going to be able to push here, but I, I want to predict that they can. Um, I want to say that they they can win maybe three two here, but I mean that's kind of like uh, it's it's fifty fifty for me. Like I really I could absolutely see this Byron side just trotting all over them as well. They have so much quality throughout their side, and I talked about it last week how deep their bench is. Um, and that may be what the biggest factor at the end comes, you know, when they can bring on if they're all up a goal or two, you know, they can bring on Tolisso, they can bring on Sewell, they can bring on um, Coutinho, Coutinho and so many so many other players that that are game changers that can add defense or offense, whatever they need. I don't think PSG has
1: that. I think that they could have be it in certain areas, but, you know. Is Eric Maxim Chupo going to score right. the winner in the Champions League final? <laughs> he might. You know, we're making fun of him now, so watch him go and story. do it. But I mean, um, honestly, good for him just for scoring that winner against Atalanta. I was happy for him. I mean he goes from getting relegated with Stoke to signing for PSG and then the next year scoring the winner in a Champions League quarter final. Good for him.
0: The the other the other player that played in the semifinal that didn't play um, in the quarterfinals against Atalanta was um, Leandro Paredes, and I thought he looked really good as well. Yeah, I was talking uh, for about For PSG him in, in the midfield, um, so I don't know if you um, if you start Paredes because of his performance, um, it, it might be that you know he plays it instead of Adrisagei, and that would be a little bit more of an attacking. I, th- I thought it gave them more of an attacking thrust. The uh, Paredes, Marquinhos, Herrera midfield. Um, so maybe if Adrissa Gay is not fit, they can bring him in off the bench, um, you know, for the last 20, 30 minutes to try to shore up the game if they have a lead. So uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of th- factors here. Um, I, I haven't been a huge fan of Carrer, the like converted center back that they've been using at right back. I think that's yeah, a weak he's point for, He's like, uh, their,
1: he's their Swiss Army knife. He can play at left back or center back yeah, or he's a, midfield.
0: he's quite good. He's only twenty three years old, but he's you know he's six one, and I always thought he was kind of he, he used to play center back for them. And he's going to be up against, you know, probably Ivan Perisic to start the game. And, um, you know, who probably or Kingsley Coman, one of those two. So he's going to have his hands full. And, you know, I think this is going to be this is obviously PSG's biggest challenge in the in the Champions League. They haven't faced anyone like this um, with such good wing backs, such good wingers, such a complete well, midfield. Dortmund. Yeah, but they did lose against
1: Dortmund. Um, in the in the group stages, so um... no, they uh, lost in the first knockout game and then beat them just before uh, just before the the break. They beat them behind closed doors in Paris. I think it was like two nil or something, but it was close. But yeah, I mean that's that's the team with, and I guess Real Madrid. They killed Real Madrid, but again, like a year ago, so. Uh, that, that, that's not the same Real Madrid we've become accustomed to seeing in the second half of the season. So, you know, they've got they've got like a big night in them. I, I personally just don't trust them to do it in a Champions League final against the team that I actually think is the best in Europe. Um, I, uh, I also think Bayern Munich are a better team. I do.
0: I'll, I'll like admit that off the bat. I think like if you were to play this game 10 times, I feel like Bayern would win probably six or seven of them. But I feel like PSG could just have like a massive night here. And just the way that Mbappe and Neymar have looked in these last couple of games and how they, I don't know, it feels like they're destined to, to win their, their first Champions League here. And both of them, I don't know, Neymar won one with Barcelona. But you know, it, for PSG, it just feels like PSG, I don't know how often they're going to be back here. And well, you know that they're going to want to take one this game, chance. So. It's
1: the one game that vindicates or breaks their uh, 200 million... Or 220 million uh, signing of Neymar uh, three or four years ago because that's what he was brought in here to and, do. And, They've been doing and Neymar, Neymar for is a big times. game player. You know, he uh, he always shows up in these
0: big games and and let's be honest, uh, Where was in he a lot in of Belgium
1: these... versus Brazil, injured. No, he played. Wasn't he? No, oh. he played. Well, he was, was shit.
0: <laughs> he's usually he's usually been <laughs> he was hurt shit at the World Cup. <laughs> He's usually been hurt though. He was he was he wasn't a hundred percent coming to the World Cup. I remember he picked up an injury, um, and his fitness was questionable. He's always been hurt for PSG specifically in these
1: big games. He's been out. Well, yeah, you can, um, you can br- blame the French league for that. They they kicked yeah. the absolute shit out of him and Mbappe. And in that
0: having league. having a fit Mbappe and Neymar, I just I don't know who can handle that. I'm I'm gonna be really curious to see. I. I do not think they can hold them till. I think PSG is going to score at least them. twice. They don't have to. Hold no, they, them. I, I think yeah. it's going to be a goal fest. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be like a. Then again, whenever we think that it's going to be a goal fest, sometimes it's tentative as shit, and there's a lot of missed chances, and it, it ends up being like a one 0 win to someone. So.
1: Okay, well, thank you. Thank you for at least like throwing that out there so that we haven't completely jinxed it, you know? Because <laughs> if we hadn't, if you hadn't have said that and it ended up being like nil nil goes to penalties, right. everyone oh, would have been just awful. Went, what the fuck happened there? Right. Um, yeah, so we'll, well, this is good, Javier. We picked opposing teams in the Europa League yeah, and Champions I'm going, League final. I'm we, going didn't, PSG. we didn't discuss this before. We were just straight up Byron. picking teams. Yeah. So, Javier has uh, Inter Milan winning the Europa League, and I have uh, Sevilla winning the Europa League, and uh, he has PSG winning their first-ever Champions League, and I have Bayern getting their sixth? I think it would be their sixth Champions League? I'm not sure. Something
0: like that. I mean, uh, they they obviously have much more pedigree. Um, they're, They're winners. They've won something like nine straight league titles and so many cup finals, and... Yeah, it's. Uh, I know that they're their favorites, but something tells me that you know Neymar and Mbappe are gonna have a big night. So, if that okay. is, whether that'll be enough or not, um, I think I feel like. Ooh, another factor that I guess I'm not really considering is No. Kaylor Navas. They're probably gonna have to play oh, Sergio yeah. Rico in the final.
1: Yeah. Ooh. No, no, that, you, you already put your pick in. Your, that might make me change my pick. No, no, pick, you actually. already pick in. You, you put your pick in. You know, you knew what was gonna <laughs> be happening. You knew that. You knew uh, the PSG were gonna concede defensively, whether they had uh, the ghost of Lev Yashin in there or Kaylor Navas, whoever it was in goal, they're gonna concede. That's fair. This Bayern team is that good, so I don't All think right, that matters I'm gonna
0: matters stick with my much. PSG, but because uh, I think Neymar and Mbappe are that good, but we'll see if my uh, if my gut got us correct here.
1: All right, so let's get to some transfer news. Uh, we finally have some to talk about. Uh, Sheffield United announced earlier today that they've signed the young English goalkeeper Aaron Ramsdale from Bournemouth for what looks like a 18 million uh, the Bournemouth and Sheffield United fans seem to be bickering about the the final transfer amount, but it's a it's a good price for a young a, yeah, English a, goalkeeper to replace Dean Henderson, who's going to be going back to United after two years on loan at Sheffield, two very influential years. And Ramsdale's a really good shot shot stopper, and from what I've seen, like a pretty pretty good playing out from the back. So. Um, yeah, that's not Interestingly a bad move, enough. Man. He
0: wasn't one that we were calling to to be transferred away from Bournemouth. So makes you think that Bournemouth are going to have a lot of players taken away from them this summer,
1: yeah. and I guess it kind of depends what the uh, market for for buyers looks like uh, we We still don't really know uh, for a lot of other teams which teams are going to be willing to spend that uh, or, that would have in a normal transfer window. but uh, now aren't because they want to save or try to, you know, make some money on player sales during the whole COVID nineteen, um, you know, down economic downturn. You know, there's not going to be any fan revenue for a bit now, so maybe Bournemouth just sold him, thinking, you know, uh, we're, we may maybe keeping these other players, but we need to generate funds to to pay for their their wages and such. So um, to get almost twenty million for a goalkeeper is. Very good development, youth development. They'll obviously miss him very much, but they have the young Irish goalkeeper, Mark Travers, who I still think is pretty good, and he's had some good Premier League games. So all is not lost on that front for Bournemouth. Uh, For Sheffield, I I mean, it's a downgrade on on Dean Henderson, but it's obviously one that you think could, uh, you know, just be plugged into his place pretty easily and make up, what, like 75 or 80% of his output in goal?
0: No, yeah. I mean, I think it's a good signing for them. I don't know if they could have gotten someone better than Ramsdale. And he's, like you said, he's young, he's English, um, and he probably still has a lot of room for improve. And uh, who knows? Maybe Sheffield has a really good um, goalie coach. And, you know, I know Dean Henderson has been really good for them these last couple of years. And maybe I, I, I do think Ramsdale will be uh, will be a good fantasy pick next year for that Sheffield team.
1: Yeah, probably jacks his price up. Probably doesn't make it. I think he was like $5 million or four point five last year. That made it worth it. Um, but, oh, well, that's one to keep your eye on. Uh, another huge move that took place seemingly out of nowhere was uh, Ronald Koeman uh, agreed to become the new Barcelona manager. I know it's not a player transfer, but, you know, anytime Barcelona announce a, a new manager, it should be discussed. Uh, Seems like a Ronald very Komen's different type
0: of manager from, you know, Quique, Quique Sanche, or no Santien and who was there before him. Uh,
1: Ernesto Valverde.
0: Yeah, Valverde. Both defensive ass managers and well, no, Setien you know, was.
1: Co- Setien was. He lost his identity when he went to Barcelona, but he was an attacking manager. Like at Betis, they were. He was playing like an attacking 3-5-2. That was, you know, the reason he got that Barcelona job. And then as soon as he got the Barcelona job, he realized, oh, this team is really shitty defensively. <laughs> I have to do exactly what Valverde did <laughs> to try to even make it. Uh, a game. So, I mean, just setting the record straight, because I'm still a big Setien fan. Uh, but Komen, I, I, I don't,
0: I don't know believe about this in move. Komen at all. The I only don't reason either.
1: they're they're hiring him is because he's a former club legend, which seems to be all the rage these days. He obviously scored the the winner for their first ever Champions League in the the final at Wembley in like 1992 under Johan Cruyff. Um, so he's a very influential player. In he used to be history. at Everton, right? Uh, yeah, he was at Everton two years ago. Got sacked after like two, two not years. Not very or a year good. And a half. Yeah, but he's been he's done really well as the Holland ma- manager the last couple of years. So that's kind of what has they've basically been waiting for him to have like a decent spell as a manager somewhere so that they could hire him. Because the last two at Everton and Southampton didn't really end that well. I guess Southampton he ended up getting hired to Everton, but. You know, he's not like he's not like winning trophies, and you know they're not they're not exactly like hiring like one of the hot up and coming managers here. They're pretty much just hiring someone they think knows the club, and will basically you know take advantage of uh, Frankie De Jong, who they just signed last summer, and hopefully Lionel Messi. So, I think I think big big jobs for him
0: are you know resurrecting Coutinho and 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 Usman Dembélé's careers and. You know, buying the correct players, getting rid of the correct players. He's got a huge job on his hands, so good luck to you, Komen, but I, I do not think he's going to be the one to How long do we give to him? flip it all around for them. I think till the end of the year. I feel like he's going to just get the axe know. at the end of the year. I
1: don't even know if I give him till the end of the year. <laughs> wow. Well, okay, uh, another a couple of uh, player transfers that happened. Randomly, Joe Hart from Burnley to uh, Tottenham on a free transfer, I guess as a— Backup. Good backup,
0: yeah. But good backup. Keeper. I, I don't,
1: don't know if that means if Paulo Gazaniga is leaving or if Loris is leaving. I don't know, but you know he's Gazaniga did get a few games in goal for them, and I'm sure he probably th- thinks that he should be starting somewhere, just
0: like Emi Martinez does for Arsenal. So um, I know that he wasn't that he didn't have the same impact, but he was still pretty decent for them for the few games that he debuted um, when Loris was injured.
1: Right, all of these young Argentine goalkeepers are just seeing each other play well as backups, and they're all thinking, "Okay, I need to start somewhere so I can get into the Argentina job. Yeah, and then also Spurs transfer news. They sold their uh, longest-serving current player. Uh, I think it's Jan Vertonghen, or it's either Jan Vertonghen or uh, Hugo Lloris is their longest-serving current player. Uh, But they... uh, or No, they didn't sell him. He left on a free transfer to Benfica. Um, Jose Mourinho obviously... Uh, letting his contract expire so that he can put more of Nifty
0: a... Nifty move for Benfica there.
1: Yes, yeah. Benfica, we'll, we'll talk about in a second, have been doing uh, a lot of business recently, randomly. You always see one random notable team just step up their transfer efforts one year because they also signed uh, Everton Suarez, they have that They have remember? that
0: Zhao Felix money.
1: Yeah, exactly. Spending yeah, some of it now. <sighs> well, they also they lost the league to Porto. Porto won the league and cup, so, you know... When that happens, at so time to time to spend some fucking money. Exactly, it's time to it's time to blow it up and start over again. Um, but Vertonghen leaving, where do we? Uh, we could probably have a little bit of a, a moment of honor for Jan Vertonghen. Hasn't won anything. He was, yeah, never won anything. Know, he, they a, won the Audi Cup. He won the Audi Cup. <laughs> you know
0: so. A huge uh, achievement in Vertonghen's career was winning the Audi Cup. Maybe now that he goes
1: to Portugal, he right, can I'll finally a, no, win the trophy. Mean, I'm a Chelsea fan, and I hate Tottenham just as much as any rational person. But I, I think, <laughs> I think it's... Uh, it's a big moment, man. It's the only. He's, he's, been, trophy. Uh, he's been a Listen, valuable player to them for the last. Tottenham
0: decade. retained the Audi Cup for this summer because there was no. There's going to be no preseason tournament, so <laughs> they're they're now the uh, they're You're now the back to back Audi Cup winners. Congratulations, Tottenham Hotspurs. <sighs> Man, you no, know, this but, is, this uh, is yeah, bad yeah. for my
1: rep. I'm standing up for a Tottenham player. I hate this. <laughs>
0: Jan Vertonghen was was a very good player for Tottenham in his time, and there was a lot of times when I was you know frustrated playing against him because he was a good defender. And I feel like you know this this move might be there to try to resurrect his career, and it, it kind of did go sour in the last year, year and a half for him. Um, and he was on the, found himself on the bench a lot, and you know there were times where we thought you know he was one of the best. Defenders in the league. I mean, best center backs in the league. That he was in that conversation a couple of years ago, and you know, it feels like he's kind of fallen off the planet. So, I'm glad he's uh, he finally got out of Tottenham.
1: Yeah, I mean, it has Mourinho uh, reboot just written all over it. He's just like goodbye. Like I need more different players just to put my imprint on this team. So, um, I, I wouldn't take it personally if I was Jan Vertongen It's just uh, probably time to move on for for Tottenham after many years. Uh, but that Everton Suarez signing that Benfica made also from uh, Grêmio, if you remember him playing for the Brazilian national team, I think it was last summer at the Copa America? Yep, it was last summer, and he won player of the tournament. I think he had like did he three really? or four goals. He did. He won player of
0: the tournament. Um, he had like four goals and three assists, something like that, and he looked really good. Um, he went back to Grêmio and hasn't looked good for them um, since that Copa America, Um, Which is why I think he is only 20 million. I think there were figures of 30, 35 million after the Copa America. Um, and he, you know he's cooled down a little bit since then, but he's still a young player. I think he's only 24 years old, um, and you know I'm sure he's he's looking at this move at Benfica and thinking, you know, I play well for a couple of years here, and uh, you know while he's 20 when he's 26 or 27, he could get a big move to a, to a bigger club. I think this is a more natural progression um, than I remember you know wanting him at Arsenal after that Copa America, but I think it might have been too big of a step up. But I think playing in Europe getting more um, you know on one of the, a team that regularly gets Champions League um, if not you know they usually end up in the Europa League they usually don't get out of their group stage but you know it looks like they're trying to rebuild their team and, and this is definitely a good piece to, to, to start that rebuild
1: yeah I mean well speaking of uh, young Brazilians uh, slightly younger Brazilian uh, rainier from uh, Real Madrid he's in 17
0: or
1: it's 18 Reina yeah yeah Reina? Yeah, he's a young striker slash attacking midfielder who uh just checking now who they signed him from. They signed him from Flamengo, uh for thirty three million when he was sixteen or seventeen years Fucking old. Fucking
0: Real just signing all these like Brazilian young gods. They have like Rodrigo, Reina, Vinicius.
1: They just like uh Come on, Real. Let, let, let. Oh, hey, we uh, have Martinelli. I mean, we have the best Real one, Madrid so. right now are standing and pointing at Barcelona and saying, they started it <laughs> because of Neymar. They didn't want another Neymar to happen. So they went and they're going over well, and they're they, getting They didn't young. get Gabriel Martinelli, who's the best of all of them. So it's all good. Sure, he is. We sure have, he is. We have the best one. We have the best one. Yeah, they're going over and getting them uh, much younger in Brazil these days. And uh, I mean, so far it's paid off. I haven't seen Henyer really play yet because uh, he's been in Brazil and hasn't made a first team appearance for Real yet. But um, Dortmund are obviously very willing to play talented young players. So you know, Dortmund just loading up on the like young
0: talent, buying them, loaning them. They're they're just willing to put a- a- any of these young gods into their team and and try to get the results with them. I don't know if this is going to win them a title, but. Sure. Eventually, well, you know,
1: they, they they have a good relationship with Real after those last two years with Hakimi on loan. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's not it's not the I wouldn't they shouldn't have most of their team be on loan players, but uh, it's it's good to have like a backup who's a ta- talented young hungry player who's trying to break his way into a team that's consistently consistently playing Champions League. So, uh, the, finally, the one I wanted to, want to talk about was uh, Matthias Pereira. Yeah, I think it's Mateus Pereira. Uh, he was sold uh, to West Brom from Sporting Lisbon this week. He's a Portuguese winger. He can play on the left or the right, but I think mainly favors the left. Uh, he played for West Brom last year and was probably their best attacking player. He had 20 assists in 42 appearances in the championship. So he's very much their creative hub. I'm, I'm not completely convinced that he's uh, definitely good enough to kind of not repeat those numbers because those are obviously crazy numbers um with four more games than he'll get in the premier league to to do it but you know if he can get 10 assists in the premier league uh with similar sort of dribbling ability and uh you know occupying defenders and taking their attention away so that charlie austin can uh continue to rack up premier league goals after a good season uh, last year in the championship then it's a good buy for west brom uh and for only like nine million, and I think he's twenty-three or twenty-four years old. It's it's a it's a very good deal. That you know, if he continues his uh, his production, then you know it's very much worth it. Because I think that kind of player would be going for thirty or forty million uh, in a normal market.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say it looks like a really good signing for them. Um, it looks like because they had him on loan last season, they were all able to get a much lower transfer fee, um, and. Yeah, no, that's exciting for West Brom. I mean, getting players like that is what's going to keep you up. So I think it's a great signing for them, and and looking forward to what he can do. I think he's six million in fantasy. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of better options at that price, but if, yeah, he, if he's he gonna does, be one
1: that I'm going to wait a couple games right. before I see how he adapts. If to he the does Premier hit League. the ground running, though, you know, go, definitely pick yeah. him up because he's got the potential. Yeah. Okay. Any more? Uh, any more transfers that I'm unaware of? I don't think there's been any. More uh, serious ones. I mean, there's. I think I think once the Champions League's rumors. over,
0: I think we're going to start getting yeah. them banging in. Kind of every other day, we're going to get some some big transfer news. So uh, excited for the Champions League to be over, so that everyone can kind
1: of start deciding their futures. Yeah, so that we can start next season already. I'm excited. So. Uh so I'm looking forward to the Europa and Champions League finals uh, this weekend. Hit us up on social media to let us know how you think it's going to go. Do you side with Javier and PSG or me and Bayern Munich? Um, I'll maybe throw a poll up there on uh, Twitter at Ghost Gold. Oh, that's bullshit! Yeah, Fire another we'll, we'll, favorite. We'll see what Alex. the people think.
0: <laughs> Sergio Rico, God damn it! I forgot about that.
1: Your word is bond, Javier. Uh, you, uh, you're trying shit. to speak in two sentences now. With you're it. second guessing yourself. No, no, no. You're it. hedging, like you always do. Uh, <laughs> Javier Hedge God. <laughs> you can follow us on social media at Javier Rev9 for Javier's Instagram at Asmos92 for my Twitter and Instagram at uh, Andrew Passara for Andrew's uh, socials, and of course at Ghost Goal Pod. Enjoy the Champions League and Europa League finals this weekend, and until next time. Bye. overhead. It's very loud.